This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And uh, and the yeah. under 23s beat South End Unit D. That sounds like a warehouse. Yeah, yeah, because if you go past the ground, the E is falling off United, <laughs> so, so my kids always call them. Are they actually called Unit, Unit D? D. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we don't have a we don't have a twenty threes. It's twenty ones. Why do we call twenty threes? That new thing. That like, just for friendlies. It was, it was just on the it's just on the web page. Right, we ready to go then? What about Mateta? Let's discuss that. No, I'm joking. No, please, Mikey. Please. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's several yeah, YouTube actually, shows. I'm very tired with that. about someone who's so overrated. Yeah, I like, am too. Very overrated. I'm just tired, man. You just like, yeah. all right, let's go. Yeah, just go when you're ready. This one's uh, going to the uh, podcast awards, by the way. Uh, podcast the awards. Jeez, I haven't had breakfast. I barely had water. So trust me, I don't know what awards we're winning with this. I'm just going straight away talking about the game. But it's fine. Let's go. I've just seen you have a bit of water. <laughs> I barely had any water. I barely. Oh, my days. Let me catch a break. You guys are all pre- Anyways, let's just start. Didn't you have any half-time oranges? When you were manager, didn't you make oranges cut them into segments? That's what oh, managers do, isn't you it? You guys are That's telling it. me to start. When I want to start, we talk about oranges. I'm... <laughs> How do you think Chris oh, feels? When geez, I'm this why he's not on. <laughs> he's in San Francisco, isn't he? Know. All right. Anyways, Palace, eh? What? Let's go. For fuck. I'll literally say welcome. All right. Let's go. Welcome. <laughs> I'm just expecting Mikey just to do something. That's. I just don't trust him. <laughs> All right, he's not going to do anything. That's fine. Welcome to the Match Report podcast. It's me, D, and we'll be talking... No, we're not. I, I want to start again because Hamburg always does it. I want to be like Hamburg. Don't forget, the, we're, we're back of the nest. That's quite important, that bit, the back I mean, of the nest bit. Yeah. Writing up 2-1 now. Ryan just called again. Hello, welcome to back of the nest. I'm Nick and I'm joined by D and Patrick. D, you've been late. you're a bit late. Why were you late, mate? I don't. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Are we going? Well, I've just kind of. I'm. I'm, I'm Patrick was talking. I didn't want to talk over him. Patrick was talking. I didn't want to talk over him. But you decided to start the show when you talk about Brighton, um, which I don't know if that appeal many Palace fans. But let me start this now. Welcome to the Match Report podcast. It's me, D, and today we'll be talking about Crystal Palace's nil 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 draw. Uh, I said, 
Welcome to the Match Report Podcast. It's me, D, and today we'll be discussing the nil-nil draw against Newcastle at St. James's Park. I've got a very special panel. We'll be talking about VAR, subs, Jordan Ayers and number eight, and more. So let's get right into it. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. So, as I've mentioned, I've got very special guests. Um, I'll start off with Nick first and foremost. Nick, I know you've been going through a lot in your personal life, but it's good to see you back on the podcast. To be fair, I've never been on the podcast for the last, I'll say for the last two seasons. So, it's it's, it's the first time I'm here as well. But how have you been yeah. lately? How's, how's, how's your... Yeah, old- every, every, everything's good. Everything's good on the road to fitness. I don't like this watching football on the telly rather than being there, but hopefully by uh, December, January, I shall be at away games again, moaning at you for leaving too late mm-hmm. and um, not not adding an hour or two to what it says on Waze because things might happen in the future that Waze can't predict. But yeah, yeah. it's good. We we uh, Will was complaining he's, he's missed the away days and uh, he hasn't seen Uncle D for a while. So. <laughs> Look, you've you've basically had an ACL injury. Um, you're making a comeback. You'll be back. Yeah, just like uh, many other players, just like Eze. You're Eze. You're Eze back with Eza. Yeah, Eza. Eza. Uh, Patrick, long time no speak. That's a lie because we speak literally every single day. I probably speak to you more oh. than my own family. I would ask you how you're doing, but I already know how you're doing. Um, you're moaning about strikers. You're moaning about transfers. But apart from that, you love playing golf and talking about golf. I was thinking about that on my way back home uh, before we recorded this. Golf is an old man sport, isn't it? Because I've realised no young footballers or young, you know, professionals play golf. Am I right in saying that? You couldn't be more wrong. Every professional that, player that you know, I mean that, everyone you know plays golf. <laughs> Harry Kane plays golf. Jason Punch. Well, plays to be golf. fair, he's about 30 years old in his peak of his career. Uh, Jason Punch in career over. So not really Dude, you're still point. young enough. You're still young De- enough to think Declan Rice old. plays golf. Oh, he does? Oh, fair enough. That's good. Christian yeah. Pulisic plays golf. I mean, Pulisic yeah, so it's not old man. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. America, I didn't I say I wasn't old, by the way. I'm just saying everyone who plays golf isn't old. I didn't say I wasn't old, though, but it doesn't <laughs> no, make I thought, look, the golf. average age of golf for me, I was just thinking along the lines of 40 to 45. But let us know what you guys no, think anyways no, whilst no, listening no. to this. Maybe I might be wrong. I, I that's that's what I thought. But you you're very you very as as most topics you talk about, you obviously are wrong. <laughs> Again, I play I still play football, but it's, running around is very tiring. So I much prefer just walk on the golf course, it's much easier. It's not an easy game to play, it's just an easy game to, to participate in. Yeah, it's just an easy game to play. You know, football you were struggling it's with. Not you told me about I this, bet so you could never play golf, mate. That's why that's you're playing right. golf right now. But look, enough of golf chat, because we've got a nil-nil draw to talk about. Um, but before we do, let's just talk about Palace news this week. Um, the under-18s beat Brighton comfortably 3-0 in the Premier League Cup. In a match uh, back of the nest, own Sam Heskiff described as great fun to watch. Patrick, you also watched that as well. The under-18s topped the group with matches to play against Sheffield United and Leeds. What have you made of the under-18s so far this season? It's been positive. Yeah, very good. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Um Setup is uh, similar to what we play in the first team, 4-3-3. We don't play a back 5D. You'd be happy about that. But the wing backs are very good. I want to shout out uh, Heskey's favourite player, Vontae Williams, the left back. Very quick, very technical. Scored a great goal yesterday. Is that um, the one where he kind of cut in from the halfway line? from the halfway line, yeah, and ran halfway. And ran all the way through, dribbled, dribbled around a few players in the box and then tucked it home. 
Yeah, mm. brilliant player. Kalani Barton, the other right wing back or right back, sorry, very good. The other player I want to mention is uh, Adlan Nascimento, player we got from uh, Peterborough. He was a U16 last year, so obviously he's a U17 now. I think he's too good for the 18s, but yesterday he scored two great goals. He plays on, the, funny enough, on the left side where Wilf plays. He's like a very similar to where Wilf plays. He's a really good player. I think he'll be in the 21s very, very soon. And he'll be in the first team soon because he played for Peterborough first team when he was 16 years old. So, um, but yeah, I was very, very impressed with them. They're off to a great start. They topped the group. Um, the top seven teams in the group make it to the next round. It's like it's the FA Cup or League Cup. And right now, they're off to a great start, the 18. So looking forward to much more from them. I'm, uh, I'm hoping that the uh, documentary starts to cover the under-18s because it's, it's done a lot of the younger kids. Have, have you been watching it, Dee? No, the, I haven't. The Academy I've, documentary, yeah, it's, look, it's really good. Look, and honestly, I haven't even had breakfast before recording this. I've barely had any water. So I've got chest infection. <laughs> I'm basically struggling right now. I'm struggling. I don't know how I'm recording this podcast. I'm literally, I've got 5% left of myself, but... Yeah, I've got literally zero time to watch the academy football because I spent majority of my time arguing with Patrick about strikers, and that's why I'm ill at this rate. We're not. I told you we're, we're yeah, not. We're not, we're not doing that. that today. But look, let's, don't. There's also another positive result. Under the under twenty ones beat Tottenham three 0 Hat trick from John Kiyomani yeah. Gordon, and Gordon's been one on the radar for a while now. I think many people who watch the academy they know his talent. Um, they have high hopes for it. But Patrick, do you think him playing for the under twenty one scoring a hat trick? that he has the skill set? Is he ready for maybe first-team sub-appearances or being on the bench? Or is it too early to tell right now? Because he has been performing decent. He's been great. I think he's got seven goals in like four games. The problem with him, he's been injured a lot, D. He's only 20 years old. He's 19, 20. He's, 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 he's young still, but he's following in the footsteps of, you know, well, actually... We've got a lot of decent strikers in the lower. In, in the lower. We've got, you know, Junior Dixon in the 18. We've got Kamani Gordon... We've got Adebomi, we've got Akinwale all in the, in the 21s. I mean, looks it, it, the future looks bright. Is he ready for a first team? I'd like to see him train with the first team. So I think I give him good experience. I don't know if he'd be good enough to honestly get involved in the first team on the bench. But, I mean, who knows what Vieira's thinking right now. But I like him as a future player. I think he's, he's got a very bright future. And all lot, it needs, yeah, go on, next. Sorry, all it needs is an injury, isn't it, in... Uh, in uh for one of our strikers because okay we can count Wilf as a striker kind of but if if either um, Mateta or Edouard get injured we we might be struggling Um, so it might need to call up one of these youngsters also it's good to see that we are second and there's a bit of a gap forming so um, we're just behind Arsenal on goal difference well even on goal difference we're the same so we're behind Arsenal alphabetically so Who'd have thunk that we'd have under-18s in the top two or three of their league or and the under-21s going really well? Not since the days of Steve Coppel have I had, had as much excitement about the youth team. I know you used to go and watch them, Patrick, didn't you? Yeah, I watch them all the time. I mean, definitely. I mean, right now, with the facility we have, the coaching, there's never been a brighter time for our for our um, academy. And I really hope that, as Dee said, is, is, is Kamani Gordon ready for the first team? bench probably not but I really hope that we start seeing a little drift and draft of some players getting chances because I think some of them really deserve it and I think now that the loan window is or the window is closed in general for players to go out I'd like to see um you know players who don't necessarily have that chance to go out get at least get some first team you know training experience and or on the bench so they can hopefully push on if not this year then next season yeah look last bit of news Rob Street he's gone out on loan to Shrewsbury Town in League 
one, I believe, and David Boateng has joined Queen's Park in the Championship in Scotland. So we've got youth players going out, getting experience as well. So we'll see with them um, in terms of how they develop because there's a few players that unfortunately won't make it from the academy despite how good they have been in the academy because the Premier League is just different gravy. It doesn't mean they're bad players, but they might not be ready for Premier League football. So especially Rob Street is one player that I'm looking at as well in terms of his development. I'm not too sure if he could be Premier League striker. I think he could do a decent job in lower league levels. Hopefully go Shrewsbury Town, smashes it there and finds himself a home where he can grow himself as a player. Um, because that's the most important thing. If it's not at Palace, we need to make sure they find other teams as well. But before we quickly go into a Newcastle game, make sure to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also leave us your reviews right after the show. It really helps us out, and it only takes about a few minutes of your time, so that will be fantastic. Now, enough of Palace news. Let's get into the game. Crystal Palace nil, Newcastle nil, travelling to St. James's Park after the disappointing Brentford draw. Um, there was lots of people frustrated after that point. But look, going into this game, we always knew it was going to be difficult. You know, we've seen with Newcastle, they're spending um, and the amount of players that they've brought in, their quality sides. St. James's Park is one of the most difficult places to go to in terms of atmosphere as well. They're up for it as well. And also as away fans travelling up St. James's Park, it takes another 20 minutes to go up them stairs. So it's not <laughs> easy for no one involved, in you know, honestly. But look, it, how I see it is that it was a good point away from home. There was some solid performances from Vicente Guaita and Jake Decore. Um, for me, I feel like them two players stood out the most. But for you, Nick, what... How did you see that game? How did you see that game overall? Was you impressed with the point? Was you disappointed with the performance? Because for me, the performance wasn't great, but I also respect the point based on the performance because that could have gone horribly wrong. And in fact, we could have been out of the game in the first half if Newcastle took their chances. So we're actually very lucky in a way to come out with a point and a clean sheet, which sounds ridiculous. Just thinking about it now, I think we were a little bit scared of them. I don't think we played our game. When we when we play our game and take teams on, we're a lot better. I mean, look at Newcastle against Manchester City. Perhaps we did that because Newcastle were brilliant at getting the ball out wide to the wings and, and steaming forward. Um, and you've got the new players like Isaac, um, who I thought was called Isaac for years and years and years. Um, you know, you're facing that as a young defender, and and this is one of the best strikers in his age group. You can, you're going to be fearing that. You're going to be fearing Almiron, who always seems to score against us. The way you've got to see it, though, is if we look season upon season. Last year, OK, we played them the week after the semi-final, and we were disappointed that we lost to Chelsea. And we we played out, and we lost 1-0. It was a pretty close game, but it was a bit dull. Yesterday's game was very, very exciting. We played an improved Newcastle without us being much more improved and got a better result than we did last year. So that for us, that is progress. Exactly. And that's a very good perspective because when we lost face Newcastle, they were doing fantastically. Since Eddie Howe has come in for since January really till up until now, they have been a very good side. And it's side that even yeah. Manchester City, they went to St James's Park recently and they couldn't beat Newcastle. In fact, if Newcastle held themselves for, you know, a five, ten minute period of the game and Manchester City wasn't just ridiculous and scored two goals in four minutes, then Newcastle could have potentially be one of the best sides in Europe. So it's never an easy place to go to. But Patrick, for you, we discussed it yesterday on a match um, reaction show on YouTube. We talk about a lot about Palace. And you was on the same line as well in terms of happiness. But in terms of the actual performance, where do you think it actually went wrong? Because there were people mentioning that it was 
Roy Hodgson-esque, which I don't agree with because I feel like we had a game plan and we just couldn't execute well, especially in the first half. There were many times the ball was going to Eze and the likes of even Ayu or Wilf where they were just too slow to react to it. And Newcastle just wanted it more. We were just too slow off the pace. And that doesn't go down to the game plan. That's just the execution from the players. That's how I saw it. But for you, where do you think it did go wrong in terms of performances? Because we gave away some sloppy chances as well. And if it wasn't for Vicente, in the first half, that could have been at least 2-0. At least. Right. Well, I think one of the uh, keys was that Eze and Wolf just didn't get into the match. I think we all know that we need both Wolf and Eze to, Eze to be on their game. If they're not on their game, we're going to struggle. Um, obviously, we didn't start Olise, so you're relying then on Mateta and Ayu. Well, obviously, they're not, that's not what they're, they're doing. They're going to do stuff that helps the team, but they're not going to create chances. So I think that was one of the biggest issues. But from the eye test, watching the game, yes, Newcastle had a lot of chances. But I watched the post-match interview with um, Anderson at the end of the game, and he was talking about how their set pieces is something we were really concerned about. They had 13 corners to our five yesterday. Yeah. So for me, you know, we knew what their danger was. You know, Trippier's uh, delivery is very, very good, very dangerous, and they had some dangerous free kicks. But looking at the stats, I mean, accuracy and passing was very even. Possession was very even. Shots were, were, were close. I mean, they had... Um, 19 we had 15 shots it's not like the stats would say oh my gosh they killed us but obviously they had the better chances they definitely had the better chances quite is very good but looking back again i'm watching the game real now we had two we had two or three really good chances but mateta edward had shots that pope made excellent saves on he just did so you have to respect the fact that one you're playing at a very hostile ground you guys have both been there at newcastle away and again, a point and a clean sheet to me is a very positive thing to take from it. And as you just said, it's improvement on last on last year's uh, performance there as far as getting the point. We didn't get the last year at Aaron scored. But yeah, yes, we could have lost the game. And we can talk about the uh, the Mitchell goal in a bit. But as far as the own goal, but as far as performance-wise, it was nowhere close to being hostile. We did not sit back and try to counter-attack. We played, tried to play our game, but our two best players, attacking-wise, weren't up for it. But defensively, we played really well. So from that standpoint, I'll take the performance for what it was, which was a well-earned away point. Yeah. Look, when we're talking about attacking players not being up for it, there were times at times where the ball was going to them and they didn't really switch on. There were there were moments like that. But also, I don't know, I wonder what you guys think about this. I don't know about us playing out from the back, especially against Newcastle. I feel like at times when it went to the right-back, Joel Wood, and this is me looking at hand-picking small things, it just seemed like under pressure, it just kept booting the ball up there and we just didn't have any proper football going on how we see under Patrick Vieira. At times, we isolated the midfield and when the midfield was involved, it was with Cech de Corey. But maybe that's me just too much looking into it and as I mentioned earlier on in the show, Yoki Manison losing the ball to Isaac. You know, thank, thank goodness for Vicente Guaita being in goal. And talking about Vicente, let's quickly talk about him. He's been... Not under pressure, but he's had a few moments where people were talking about, should he be a number one? Um, Sam Johnson, he should potentially start for us. For you guys, Vicente once again proved his worth yesterday. How do you see his future at Palace going forward? Because he's got one year left in his contract. And if he performs like this, then, I mean, there's nothing wrong with his performance. That's what you want from a goalkeeper. Do you think Palace are going to be in an awkward situation when they're looking at a goalkeeper in his mid-30s who might want maybe a few-year contract, maybe one or two-year contract, and us as a football club, 
would we be willing to offer that with the current process that we're going at? Vicente had a great game yesterday. So quickly, your thoughts, Nick, on Vicente's performance and his future going at the club? Because if he keeps performing like that, then that's great. I mean, that's what you want from a goalkeeper. But then again, does he align with the club's values in terms of bringing in younger players? Yes, um, he had the best game that he's had so far for Palace yesterday, I think. Um, okay, there was a little bit of help from uh, Ducore. When he uh, made that brilliant save down to his left, palmed it out, and then Ducore, the way he scooped the ball out, um, the way he stopped uh, his axe, uh, tried to deftly flick the ball over his head, didn't he, when he was one-on-one after Anderson's mistake. He was on that. He was leading. He was getting crosses. He was punching the ball out. All the things we said that he needed to work on, he is getting better. Now, where he needs to improve, and it's not, well, maybe not, but he's kicking under pressure. Kicked the ball out quite a few times. In fact, I thought they were having a, a bet on uh, how many throw-ins there were going to be in a match, uh, the amount of times the ball went out. But, as you said, no, it wasn't only Ward that was pressured. We Newcastle was so quick to be on the player with the ball, and we just didn't know how to deal with it. And we've had that with a couple of other teams, haven't we, Patrick? Sorry, you've got something to say there. No, no, no. Um, It's just these these point about the goalkeeper and Vicente. He's 35 years old, 36 in January. There's no way we're going to keep him for next year. There's no chance. I didn't realise just looking at the stats that both Butland and uh, Johnson, are, they're the same exact age, they're like 15 days apart. They're 29. There's no doubt we'll bring back Johnson and Butland for next season. Guaita deserves to get a free transfer. He wants to go back to Hetafe or to Valencia or wherever in Spain. He's more than welcome to that, but I can't see him coming back. Having said that, he was brilliant yesterday. And as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll keep, he'll keep the first team shirt. But honestly, if Johnson pressures him to, to do it, it only makes both of them better. And it makes us as a club better. So I don't see any way that we sign Vicente on the contract. We've also got, you know, young goalkeepers in our academy in Whitworth and Goodman who deserve a chance, if not to be backups. You know what I mean? So I don't see any way we sign Vicente on the contract. Honestly, at 35, 36 in January, I don't see it happening. But again, he was really good yesterday. Going to the other point you're talking about playing at the back D, that's who we are now. That's our DNA. That's Crystal Palace. We're not going to change that. The play by um, Anderson was a silly play. He, I just watched it now. Isak closed him down at the halfway line. He tried to play the ball wide. It was knocked down. Um, it, it happened. Thank God, again, Vicente was there. Um, what I did notice yesterday that I didn't see any long balls from Guaita, I'm sorry, from Gehi and Anderson to, uh, to uh, either Ayu uh, or Wilf. So that might have been a game plan thing where we're tr- not trying to play the ball long necessarily, we're trying to keep the ball. But as far as playing from the back, listen, man, we're gonna. Ha- that's how we have to play. Everyone plays that way in uh, the Premier League. We have to play that way. It didn't work yesterday, but I think that's something we're going to continue to do, whether it works. Yeah. Uh, we have a problem. I, I 100% agree. And in all honesty, you have to give credit to Newcastle as well because they were very good with their pressing. But it also shows that if you're not on your A game, we will struggle as a team. The likes of Eze uh, um, yesterday, I I don't think he was the normal ebbs that we've seen so far this season. He was a quiet at it. Will, D, he's been asked, D, yeah. a couple of times Eze got the ball and he went for a run and he, and he got tackled straight away. Now, I don't know whether that was Eze not being on the ball enough knowing what's going on around him or whether it's other players not letting him know that there's a man on. I, 
you know what I mean? Is there, is there that communication on the picture? It's, it's just a thought. I don't know whether it's true or not. Or was Eze just Eze just having a bad game? Look, you have to you have to realize that it's coming back from an awful injury, and the way that he has come back from that injury, he's performed fantastically in terms of production. And people were talking about it on deadline day that we need another midfielder because we've lost Conor Gallagher and haven't replaced him. In my personal opinion, I don't think we've directly replaced Conor Gallagher, but Eze's influence in midfield, the way that he plays carries the load in terms of productivity. I mean, Conor Gallagher's a brilliant off-ball presser, but for me, Eze's playmaking is much better than Conor Gallagher's. That's why you've seen that so far this season, Eze's already got three big chances created and Gallagher last season only had five. So it would have been fantastic to have Gallagher and Eze in the midfield. And of course, there's that debate. Is Jeffrey Schlupp good enough to start in midfield? There are some games where he's better suited. Yesterday's game, I didn't quite understand his role at times. He was a bit quiet for me, for my liking. You know, Ebbs has been fantastic and there will be games like this, Nick, because he's come back from an awful injury. Um, he's getting used to first-team football. I don't think he was great against Brentford, for example. And in this game, he wasn't as effective as well. But I am I know that this isn't as straightforward as, you know, as some people make out to be. Yes, he's had some good performance. He'll have some quiet games as well as he gets back to full fitness. He hasn't had a full season under him yet. We have to realise that he came towards the end of last season, started this season as well. And yeah. now he just has to build that match fitness and get used to it. So, you know, as it shows the impact that he has on the team, really. Because if Ebbs has a quiet game like he did against Newcastle and Wilf does, then you know that our attack is really, really <laughs> disjointed. But it's, it's, it's interesting that... It's interesting that you've got Elise, who's a very, very similar player. I don't know who you'd say was different, but when he came on, and I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but we, were, we looked a different team when he came on. Yeah. Now... Who who's the better out of the two, Elise or Reza? Well, and are they similar? Well, or are they different? Well, we'll talk about subs later on in the show. Um, we don't want to go into that topic just yet. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about subs later on in the show. But yeah, as I said, the first half it could have went horribly wrong. Vicente saves us, and then in the second half there were no subs. What did you think? Well, it's, it's to the start of the second half, anyways, at half time. What did you guys think about that decision after the first half performance? Do you think Patrick Vieira told the players you need to go out there and show that you can actually play football? Was he frustrated? Was it a point for players to prove to Patrick Vieira? Was you guys surprised about no subs at halftime? I personally wasn't. Um, it's, it's a nil-nil game. We hadn't played that poorly the first half. Um, so I didn't really see the need for changes unless it was an injury. Um I don't really think, you know, you've got the five subs now system now. You can always make those changes uh, if you feel like you need to. You can make mass changes, you know, half your team basically if you really want to. I think the decision to, to lead the players that were out there, second half was fine. Um, I did see a little bit of a, I mean, I was watching the game, obviously, and, and the commentators made a comment. When I think Ian Dowry was, he was on Cocoms. He made the comment that we were actually dominating for periods before the substitution and right after because so we kept, started came to, um, coming to the game a bit more because of it. So I, I think the decision not to make the subs a final. Had we been trailing at halftime, I'd been up for more subs or a, a sub or two. But at nil-nil, honestly, I think that was a good decision not to make the subs. And I think looking back on it, the subs that he made at that time really really helped yeah. us and that's as far as like put pressure on Newcastle and that's going to be a topic that we're going to talk about the, the way that we started the second half especially defensively Newcastle was still applying pressure onto us we were still in that same predicament where we couldn't really attack with the ball Wilf was isolated going forward as I mentioned Ebbs wasn't that great but I felt like Jordan Ayew had a solid game and when we talk about subs we'll talk about Jordan Ayew more detailed there 
I thought um, Mateta did quite a good job of holding the ball up as well in 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 a difficult in in difficult circumstances. I mean, the the last twenty minutes of that first half, I was almost behind the sofa watching it, you know, between my fingers. And and in a way, it's a bit of a surprise that we didn't change it because, like you said, the first first ten minutes of the second half were pretty much the same thing. So. Having been under the cosh so much, I don't know what he thought they were going to do differently with the same personnel. Look, yeah, look, we won't talk about Mateta versus Edward on this show because no, I'm done, just saying that, done he, that many he, times. He, but for me personally, where Mateta showed himself was more defensively rather than going forward. He had that maybe that chance in the first half with that header from a corner. I don't know if you guys realise he was just wide open and. Maybe you could have took a touch and finished it off like that, but he just headed it straight to the goalkeeper. He had that shot as well at the edge of the box where he just went directly to the goalkeeper. But you have to give credit to Mateta where it's true as well. And that was with his defensive style of play, which is where you go to Roy he- Roy Hodgson-esque territory in terms of strikers being sort of defensive, sort of defensively. But yesterday, Mateta put on a sort of shift. He ran back a few times, got the ball off the Newcastle um, players and that's where his strengths were but as the game was going on Nick um, I don't know if you noticed it but you can tell that Mateta couldn't do that for 90 minutes because yeah, yeah, we were yeah. we had to have some form of attack going forward because they were just getting too easy for Newcastle just to attack us onto it and when you have your striker just constantly dropping back and trying to win the ball back that's when you know something was going wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he's got to be back for defending because we haven't got the tallest of teams. So that that that's the reason he's back there for for corners and whatever. Yeah. I mean, it still frustrates me that Wolf's not standing on the halfway line and and taking three of the opposition players out to look after him. But you know, they, I noticed that against Brentford too. Yeah. But so Patrick, I, I believe you mentioned about set pieces, and let's talk about set pieces because Newcastle. How many corners did you say that they had? They should have had more than ten. I think it was thirteen. I'm not too sure on it precise number but Newcastle had a lot of corners in this game and we saw in the first half Vicente saved us surprise surprise once again uh, with Czech Decore clearing it off the line but in the second half um, it wasn't actually a corner it was a set piece and it was a free kick going into the box I believe um, with the Tyreek Mitchell situation and it got overruled. Newcastle scored. Well, Newcastle didn't score. We scored our own goal. And it went to VAR and it got overturned. So, taking off your Palace hats now, was that the right call? And would you have been happy if that was Palace on the other side, as in Newcastle position, and that got overturned for us? Patrick, I know you wasn't too happy yesterday, but now that you've looked back at it, do you think VAR got it wrong? What do you mean I wasn't too happy? Um, I thought the I thought VAR made a mistake. I mean, the angle that I saw on TV, the first angle I saw was a clear, was a, was a push by um, Mitchell into his back, into Willock's back. And then momentum takes Willock into Guaita. Now he makes contact. It looks really poor. And then when I watched the replays they were showing in VAR, I didn't see that same angle. So maybe the referee didn't see it. I thought it was a poor call. If that happened against Palace, I wouldn't have been, you know, I mean, the goal overruled for any old pass goal. Oh, I'm not going to be happy, but it, I thought it would have been a fair call. I thought it was a bad, a bad call. I really didn't think it was a, a, a good, a good call. Um, looking back on it, I mean, people have been talking about it. Um, people said, well, Willock's momentum was taking him into the goalkeeper anyway. I'm not sure if I believe that, honestly. I think, I really think that thing. And also, I like to look at the reaction of the players. I didn't see 
Mitchell get upset when it was called. I didn't see any of the players go to referee and say it wasn't a push. Uh, after the game, I saw Anderson interview. He said he wasn't sure about it. Bio said he didn't see. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't. If it was if it was so obvious that he didn't push him, I didn't really see a lot of reaction at the time to say it. So I thought it was a bad call. Listen, that's just me being trying trying to be totally unbiased. I thought that Newcastle got robbed. And if that happened to Palace, I'd be really upset. Nick, Not as upset as Newcastle fans have come across on, on social media, but I would be upset. Nick, Patrick basically said what Eddie Howe said after the game, but Patrick Vieira also yeah. had this say, and he was saying that it was the right call. So where do you stand with the VAR decision? I haven't seen the... I've seen the other angle that Patrick talks about where, where it appears that um, he's pushing. However, I've only seen in slow motion, which is very, very difficult to judge. Um, if maybe perhaps if I saw it at full speed, I'd be able to make a decision. The fact is, VR was there to get rid of controversy, <laughs> and it hasn't. In fact, it's got worse. Yeah. I mean, I thought the clear and obvious errors were things like sent. Who was the Arsenal player who got misidentified and sent off? Oh, that was back uh, in the day. Was somebody Chamberlain out. and um, yeah, yeah. It? Now it I thought that's what VAR was for. So they could look for things like that, not measure offside to the blooming millimetre. Everton was so unlucky yesterday, although I cheered it because it's Frank Lampard and I hate him. Um, so I was quite happy at that. Um, and yes, I was happy at the fact that it was wrong yesterday because them's the breaks. Sorry, Newcastle, but that's football. And in a way, we were a bit worried that the ref getting things wrong and controversy and the talking points that you remember for years and years and chat about down the pub or wherever it is you talk about football. VAR, we thought, was going to get rid of that and I was bemoaning that and actually it's made it even better because some of the calls, ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, it's what football is now, and it's a shame that for the, you, you do feel sorry for the fans when they've celebrated and you get the ah when it's when it's yeah. kind of disallowed, and and you lose the spontaneity. Yeah, for me, it looking at it at the time, there was a contact, but it's a contact sport. For me, did Mitchell push him that hard for him to fly into Vicente Guaita? I guess he did, but then another side of me is thinking. Well, he's jumping for the header. Even if there was minimal contact, I guess Mitchell could still push him onto the goalkeeper, so that could still be a foul. Look, end of the day, we we got very lucky. There was there was many instances where we got lucky and we saved with right. individuals saving us yesterday, and we we mentioned this at the start of the show. And sometimes you need that luck to have a successful season. Against Brentford, well, I don't think we got unlucky. I thought it was our own fault why we conceded. But in this game, luck was on our side. Away from home at St James's Park. Look, if that was us, I would be frustrated because yesterday I did mention it on the live match reaction show, and I said that you know um, that maybe you know there was there was a bit of contact, but it's a contact sport. But then again, looking at it from the other angle, which funny enough, VAR didn't show yesterday, it did look like right. there was enough. Which is yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's that's why people. I don't think there is corruption in terms of VAR, and there's a massive agenda. But with VAR, there was not only our game, there was instances in the West Ham versus Chelsea game where they scored the last-minute equaliser and VAR overruled that. And there was the Aston Villa-Manchester City game where they called an offside decision. Offside. Normally, they don't do that until the game, until the phase is finished. So with VAR, look, there's going to be a change in terms of who runs the Premier League um, officials. It seemed like 
Who was it? Um, not Clamberg. Mickey Mouse? No, Mickey Mouse. Well, I think Mickey Mouse was it. It was. It would. Nothing would change at this point because it is, it is a joke of a league. But there is someone who's going to be coming in, and I'll double check exactly who it is. So maybe we do see improvement in VAR. Dick Emery. Uh, what was that? <laughs> Dick Emery. No, it's, it's a referee. Job. It's a it's a referee. Um, that is that we all know about that's going to take control over refs, but I don't think the changes happen. But there's going to be someone else running the referee well, ball. What do you make of, um, mate, your match of the day um, saying that players, ex-players should be refs? I don't know. know no, honestly, game. look, <laughs> I don't know who wants to be a referee. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And I know there are some referees that listen to the podcast and they get a lot of abuse, in all honesty. So it's, yeah, I've done it, man. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. And it's hard. I don't know why, if you're, for example, if you're Wayne Rooney, why would you want to be a referee? I guess if you're like a non-league, League 2 player, you might want to do that to continue football. No, if, if you're Wayne Rooney, all you want to do is manage a team so you can sign Christian Benteke. Christian Benteke, exactly. That's and game scoring realized. goals again. Game scoring goals whilst our strikers yeah. can't finish. Um, to say well, if Rooney can't teach him, who can? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's 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 a very hard topic to actually come to a conclusion about with referees. But look, we'll see what happens. There should be someone else in terms of new officials getting introduced in the Premier League um, and hopefully improves from there. But talking about the subs, so that got overturned and Patrick Vieira finally made the subs. For me, Patrick, these subs... Well, actually, we was discussing it yesterday. But the three subs coming on with Elise, Edward and Nathaniel Klein, for me, they should have started yesterday. And when they did come on, I don't think we improved massively. There was still an improvement there in terms of we were much better attacking. But what do you think about the subs yesterday and the players coming off and how it potentially did change the games, especially going forward? Because I feel like there was a positive impact from the subs and it was good seeing all three subs come on at the same time. It showed that Patrick Vieira was clearly not happy with how things were going, which is a positive because in the past we've seen um, you know, managers be happy with just a point, but it seemed like he actually wanted to go for the win towards the end. No, the subs are fine. See, my only... Listen, I agree with you about the three subs um, being very good. I'm not agreeing with you on the, on the three subs that should have started because like I said to you in our chat yesterday, they didn't come on and play where you thought they would play. So here's my example. So Klein came on for Mitchell at left back. I don't think you wanted Mitchell to start. Didn't want Mitchell to start. You wanted Klein at right back, correct? Yeah, I wanted Klein at right back. And right. if he did play at right, right so back... That, so, but if he did play at right so, back, then... For me, that would have been better than Wardy because I don't think Wardy... No, I, I understand that, but my, I, I, get, I get all that. My point is he didn't, they didn't come in and play where you wanted them to play. Alisa came in and played where Ayu was. Ayu went to the eight, right? Eze yeah. came out. You wanted Eze to start, obviously. So, uh, And obviously, you, Edouard Mateta, blah, blah, blah. So again, <laughs> again, obviously, you want Edouard to play the game. I get that. So I understand what you're saying. But what did happen was the subs had an impact. Mitchell had a poor game yesterday. Got to be carrying an injury, just doesn't look right. Klein came in, did a good job. Um, Olise on the right side for IU playing there. You know, we all know Olise brings something that's totally different the flair, the skill, the ability to beat a player, create chances, etc. And we'll get to it now. IU as a number eight was <laughs> very, thought. very good. It was who would have thought it. So interesting enough, in the post match, Fiera mentioned, and he's right, I forgot all about it, by the way. Um, in Australia, he did play, and so he did play as the eight. I didn't realize I wasn't paying attention because obviously they were just, you know, friendly matches. Who cares? But he, he did play in the eight. He played in midfield because we had players that played wide, like Ebuwe, is, is you know, for instance, played a lot. Blah blah blah. So that was interesting. He actually did because at least it wasn't wasn't on the trip. Um, so that was interesting. Going forward, is are you going to be a future number eight? 
not long term, but we're in a position now where the window is now closed. We've got about 13, 11 games until the next window opens. We've got to have someone in there. Mac is injured. Hughes is kind of in and out. Redevold, who knows? You know what I mean? So if 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 you can play there and do a job similar or better than Schlupp, I'm all for it. And then if you get at least they're playing on the on the right side. Now you're talking about having a player on the right side. We all want to start. Real on the other side. Eduard up top to make you happy. And then uh, an energetic number eight. The thing with Ayu is this. His decision-making on passing isn't great. His energy levels are very, very good, though. And I'm not really sure, because I heard the interview he did um, before the match. He doesn't see himself as a midfielder. He sees himself as a striker. <laughs> so mentally, can Vieira turn him around? But I give credit to Ayu. He's a team player. Say whatever you want about the man. He's a team player. So if he wants to try it as a number eight, and if it works for us, I'm all so, for it. So Nick, he had a um, sorry, he had a very good game yesterday. He did. Really, I love the close-ups of him getting out of a tight corner, and all you can see is a mass of legs, and somehow IU comes out the other side of it. He's very, very good at winning free kicks. Now the problem is, is because he's playing out wide, he's winning the free kicks out wide, and we're getting free kicks that you have to whip in rather than being able to have a shot. Now if you're doing those runs going through the middle and then you get fouled, you're going to be near the the, the, yeah. the semicircle. That, where's, yeah. Does that semicircle at the edge of the area have a special name? Call it D. The D. The D. So if he, if he can win free kicks in and around there because of his dribbling abilities, then yes, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he's he's had his he's had his critics, but I've I've always liked his endeavour. So let's look at the other side of things. So he's got the en- energy to press, um, and I feel like he he would suit in that aspect ahead of Jeffrey Schlupp. But then again, with your midfield, I know Schlupp ain't the greatest passer, but do you think Jordan Ayew sometimes his decision making ain't great? And his passing isn't the best as well. So, do you guys think that he could do a better role than Jeffrey Schlupp there? For me, I'm willing to give it a go because, as I said yesterday, you know, Schlupp, he has some good games. He has some games where he's just invisible. And we haven't got a clear option to play as like a number eight where Jeffrey Schlupp is playing and where Conor Gallagher was playing. So, for me, I would be happy if Vieira gave it a go. And it seemed like, based on what he said yesterday, that he is willing to experiment it and they've done it in pre-season right. as pa- Patrick mentioned. Yeah, but but the f- other thing with him, if he's in the middle, quite a lot of times we, we were putting balls out wide and they were very good balls that somebody a little bit quicker than I possibly would have got through, got to, but I, bless him, hasn't got the pace of an Elise or an Eze to actually get onto those diagonal balls. Yeah. So Nick, and, in terms of... And Nick, yeah. and, no, sorry. And, and Nick, the one thing I think is you could always start Schlupp and then bring Ayu, move Ayu or bring him on as a sub in that position because right now we don't really have a, we didn't have a sub for Schlupp in that position. So at least you have an option now. Let's say you don't want to start Ayu at the eight, but you bring him on like yesterday and we just both all agree that he played really well in that position for 20 minutes, you know, up a goal or needing a goal or wanting a goal. Maybe he's good in that position. Maybe not from the beginning because Schlupp does a good job, you know, for what he's done in the, for the first 60 odd minutes, but then he kind of dies dies out he can be a little bit anonymous sometimes but he does a job as the eight so maybe that's where you can have him you have an option now because we all agree we need a midfielder during the window we didn't get one we needed a, a midfielder so maybe not to start as the eight because i don't think i can do it for 90 honestly but for 20 minutes a match it's an option that i think that uh video is going to probably start it's, doing it's, from the going forward and isn't it good that we've got that versatility all our players seem to have 
versatility exactly. to be able to play exactly. anywhere in the front six almost exactly I mean Jeffrey Schlupp can play up front left back midfield <laughs> he's played yeah. everywhere under Roy Hodgson in he's not left back he doesn't play left back anymore yeah trust me. Uh, yeah I happening. know but he could play there he has played there before that's my <laughs> he point he hasn't he's done it in two years well but Jordan yeah. I has never played in midfield but we're talking about him being an option there as well so if it's needed Jeffrey Schlupp could still go there um, he has done it in the past but of course he's not a left back and we all we all know that um, but look, this it's interesting. I think Jordan Ayew as number eight, let's experiment it. Let's see how it goes. But as Patrick said, um, there's there's two question marks. It's passing and it's decision-making because we're playing out from yeah. the back. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it yeah. like that. So enough of the Newcastle chat. Let's get your thoughts and let's go to the listener stuff and get your four-word reviews. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so let's start off with the forward review. Someone called Nick Gossett. Um, Who's that then? Exactly. In fact, Nick, <laughs> you can go say it yourself because it's your forward review. You can have the privileges. Okay. Endeavour, bloody-mindedness, luck. Boy, it sounds like a Harry Potter chapter. So <laughs> It's only four words. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's four words, but it's the longest four-word review I've already seen though, in terms of four words. Um, and Leif Anderson's forehead, always on the show, leaving his comments. Happy with a point. Um, CPFC Barbarian says, defensive coach needed urgently. Do you agree, Patrick, in terms of defensive coach? With um, I've seen the set-piece coach being mentioned a few times. Do you think a defensive coach is needed as well? After a clean sheet, probably not. <laughs> probably <laughs> exactly, it's, prob- it's probably like the yeah. worst time to ask for a timing. Coach. Yeah, but then timing, again, right, yeah. then again, if you look at perspective, it could have easily gone wrong. It's, it wasn't like we were fantastic. No, no, I get that. But also, we can see the one goal against Brentford. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, we. I'll say it because you know, and I interrupted the four of you. I'm not sure why you did this, but anyway, um, is that I don't think defense has been our biggest problem this season. Um. Honestly, I don't think it's been a massive problem. Yeah, we gave four goals against against Man City. That aside, we've really been pretty good. And we actually... Listen, it's just a matter of the... You just said it, the break. We've got lucky, of course, but I think it's the breaks more. But defensive coach right now, nah, I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. I think my point is a striker coach. <laughs> yeah. Teach Eduardo Mateta to score goals. <laughs> yeah, that that would help. That would help as well. Um, having strikers, you can score goals. It sounds <laughs> sounds kind of crazy if you're a neutral listening to this. I don't know why. Oxymoronic, I don't know exactly. why a neutral would be listening to Crystal Palace Newcastle nil nil review. But if you, yeah, we need strikers. You just um, that can score goals. Mark Ross says respect away point. Kevin at Kevin a Steph. 
I believe, Vicente, Joachim, Jordan, Chaik. Just those for me today as a forward review. Louis says, got away with one today. Angry face emoji. Matt says, take that. Thank you. The Meteta Army says, we are very lucky. Paul says, didn't concede late on, which is also a positive as well. Chad says, like Hodgson never left. Gary says, rode our luck today. And... That's it for the forward reviews. We've got a few forward reviews. Make sure to send them in after the game on our Twitter page at Back of the Nest and follow all our social media pages as usual. And in terms of Facebook, we've got a few comments. Great all-round team defending on tune yesterday afternoon. Vicente, my man of the match, without a doubt, could have easily lost 3-0. Mitchell form, slightly concerned as he seems to be off his game somewhat. Decore was very good as IU who fought hard. Can't, can't fault his commitment and desire. Miteta... Um, putting in a solid display as well. Lacks match fitness with first touch, letting him down often. I'm not convinced that he's a, part, a premiership striker. Time will tell and hopefully prove me wrong again. Edward's inter- introduction proved our goal threat. Having looked at Newcastle disallowed goal, I can appreciate why it was not given as the player impedes our brilliant keeper performance, uh, prevent preventing him from getting to the ball. Have a good week. And that is from Jerry. Some good points there, especially about Tyreek Mitchell. And that's why we might need Tyre Adamarola, who came back from Coventry on loan. Maybe you can put in a spell there. And the, um, and the under-18 chap, if he can score goals like that at the highest level. One, two. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that, Future's that... bright with a left-back. I'll tell you that. Future's very bright. If, if it's We've start, always I mean, done well, haven't we? Yeah, left backs have been a palace staple, honestly. But yeah, I mean, it's been a while since Kenny Sansom, but we won't go there. <laughs> but look, um, it's, it's some fair comments there about a few players' performances. And I think Mitchell is the one for me that stands out the most because we've seen it last season. He played a lot of games. And Tyreek Mitchell is a player that in the past, at youth level, he has had injury concerns. And we can't right. forget that as well. And in a funny way, it was kind of surprising to see Adam Roller go out on loan because I felt like he'll be the second option this season because I don't think he's good enough to start first team, but he's you know he's still there and abouts and he could back up Tyreek Mitchell. But of course, some people are making the comments that he didn't do at Coventry and they're sending him back, so how could he do it in the Premier League? For me, how, how I would answer that is, just because it didn't work out at Coventry doesn't mean that it won't work out in the Premier League. We've seen him play and at Coventry... You know, he's gone away from home. There was something amiss there. There's, there's something not quite right. Exactly. Because the day before Coventry were announcing they'd released him and the day after Palace was saying they'd recalled him. So, which is it? Exactly. Yeah. And he didn't actually play for them. And they, they barely played anyway because their pitch was rubbish. Yeah. So, I've, I've still got faith in Teo. I think he could step in for us when it's needed. And just the Coventry situation there... I don't think it judges him as a player. I don't think just because he didn't do our Coventry and they sent him back, um, it doesn't mean that he ain't a great player because, in all honesty, you know, Coventry, moving to Coventry from London, it's not the most fascinating places to move to. And as an 18-year-old as well, he might have been homesick. And that's part of it. He has to learn that, you know, this is football, this is brutal. He might learn a lesson there and we move on. But apart from that, gents, anything else that you want to Yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to the poor chap who got the train to Newcastle. Um, got off the train. This was on Twitter yesterday. Thought he'd left his phone on the train. Got on the train, and it pulled out. And the next stop was Edinburgh. <laughs> and he was not going to get back to Newcastle at the earliest at four. And oh it turned out the train guard at the station, Newcastle station, had his phone. Now, what was funny then was the chap who tweeted this 
was then caught by away day sleepers absolutely sound asleep in the stand at Newcastle. So if you have a look at the, uh, I think it's called Away Day Sleepers on Twitter, you'll see him there. It's quite, quite funny. But yeah, big, big, big shout out to everybody that went to Newcastle because it's a long, long way exactly. to go. Yeah, Especially trip. for a nil-nil draw. It's like a six-hour journey. But look... Um, yeah, better than a one-nil defeat. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when we went Leeds away Absolutely. last season and yeah, let's not talk about that. Oh, Tuesday, fourth minute. Tuesday night. 94th minute penalty mark. but the, the, the thing is DR I wouldn't miss it they, you know do you know what I mean they're just brilliant it's just it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. You know, it's it's just good all going together. Burnley was great, wasn't it, when there was about six or seven of yeah. us. It's, it, it's it good. It's good. It is great. But look, that's it from us today. Thank you for listening to the show. And thanks in particular to everyone who got in touch today. We read out everything, but we do use it all in the making of the show. So even if your comment wasn't read out, it helped us in terms of planning the show. The preview team will be back with you in midweek to look at next Sunday's match against Manchester United. Until then, thanks again. Come on, you pants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.